Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Shares in Australia trading down more than 1% this morning. This follows a pullback on Wall Street last week where the Dow finished lower for the third consecutive week. This on the heels of a major submarine sale by the US to the Australian government and an uproar in France over Sydney's decision to cancel the purchase of French-made subs. Now, markets in China, Japan and South Korea, meanwhile, are closed today. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How was the weekend, Ryan? It's great. How was yours, Michelle? Oh, really good, really good. Fantastic. Let's start this week in China, where one of the country's biggest property developers appears to be on the brink of collapse. Investors across the globe are watching closely to see how Beijing will react, whether a default trigger contagion affects in other markets. Now, that company is Evergrande, and it owes creditors 300 billion US dollars. Evergrande is supposed to pay interest on bank loans today, and on Thursday, interest on two bonds are due. Ryan, can you give us a sense of just how big Evergrande is? And how did it get in the situation? Yeah, as you would imagine, this is something that is causing a few jitters or at least more than a few jitters in the markets. And it is because it is right now the second largest property developer in China. At one stage, it was the most valuable company or property company three years ago. And now it's facing over $300 billion in liability. So a big change in fortunes. And the main reason how it got into this mess is because it borrowed just too much, too aggressively. And then in the space of the past year, we've seen how China has clamped down on many things. One of them is the property sector in terms of how much property companies can borrow. And that had an impact on how much people could borrow as well to buy property. So all that had a few spiral effects. And now here we are, China Evergrande, serious cash flow problems and a lot of talk about how it's maybe too big to fail, or maybe it could just have a knock-on impact on many other industries as well. Chinese retail investors are nervous. So too are people who have bought Evergrande flats but may never get the keys. There are reports of protests outside Evergrande offices in Shenzhen, in Guangzhou, and in one case I read investors even held Evergrande employees hostage within the office. What's the latest here? Yeah, now great time to be an employee at Evergrande because even the Customers are looking to just get their money back in any possible means. And this includes holding the staff hostage. And this is around one of the social media posts that appeared on WeChat. And it featured someone saying that over 300 investors had someone being held hostage in his apartment. And there was a video around how this guy is being trapped and they are really just frustrated and not getting anywhere or progress and getting the money back. There's been some um, investors in the Evergrande wealth management products. So far, there's been some reports they have been given um, the option to get some of their money back in proxy of um, apartments or office um, spaces. So they are trying to offload, Evergrande is trying to offload some of their property in exchange for liquidity right now. So that is something that will not um, do a lot right now because no one wants the apartments right now. HSBC and Standard Chartered Banks have stopped loaning to the buyers of Evergrande flats in at least two developments. Rating agencies have repeatedly downgraded this company. What impact do you think this is going to have on global markets? 
Okay, so far we have seen it really play out in a couple of spaces. Uh, we talked about how it's too big to fail. So the big question mark is whether the Chinese government will step in to intervene and save the management like we've seen in many other countries. Uh, but some people think it might not happen. And that could be one reason why we are seeing a big slump in commodity prices. And that is also one of the big reasons why Australia is more than 1% down this morning. If you look at where commodities are right now, uh, and let's start with where we are for iron ore, uh, that is down over 7% so far in, in the past day. And if you look at where we are for iron ore in the past week, it's down 20%. And for the month, it's down over 30%. So iron ore, of course, heavily used in construction. And Australia is a big exporter to China when it comes to many of these industrial metals. So that is one space to watch um, the slump in commodity prices. And of course, you do have jitters and possible contingent effects as well in the wider property space. If Evergrande keeps cutting prices on its apartments or giving away for free, mm. it will put pressure on the wider property market. And that has an impact on people who borrowed yep. against their property or their mortgages as well. And banks will have a hard time liquidating these properties for value. Mm. So that could just see things spiral into a bigger mess if things are take, take a turn for worse. Now, the fear is that the Evergrande story could turn out like Lehman Brothers, whose collapse helped trigger a global financial crisis some 13 years ago. You might remember some analysts say an Evergrande bankruptcy is likely more akin to the story, though, of LTCM. You remember that? Long-term capital management. That was another bank that collapsed back in 1988, but whose fall was very quickly dealt with by regulators. So what are you hearing? What do you think about this? You know, possible comparisons with uh, Lehman Brothers, LTCM? There are some parallels. Or lo- the last time I heard about long-term capital management was in the, in the movie, The Big Short. Mm. And this, of course is really near the anniversary of the Lehman Brothers collapse. In fact, it's the 13, year number 13 uh, of when we had a Lehman crisis and now here we are in a different type of crisis. So are we similar when it comes to Lehman? Maybe not. It might be a bit closer to where we are in terms of long-term capital management and the reality is around the question whether it's too big to fail. Uh, we did see the government intervention coming through with um, long-term capital management. So there might be a few parallels being drawn uh, where we might see that happening for China Evergrande. So that is um, something to watch out for in terms of how much um, the Chinese government might step in to help the property sector here. Now, I was reading an investor email from a friend of the show, Oanda's Jeff Haley. He's expecting Beijing to bail out Evergrande in what he calls the mother of all debt equity swaps. Now, even still, he says Evergrande appears to be reaching an end game and that investors should watch upcoming developments closely. Now, two other big stories that global investors are following uh, this week. We'll take each of them very quickly in turn. The U.S. Federal Reserve and COVID-19. So the Fed's Open Market Committee will hold a two-day meeting that will start tomorrow. Is this the week when the Fed finally announces details on how it plans to tighten up credit, Ryan? Well, they have certainly done a lot of talking in the past weeks and the past months, talking about tapering and when they might taper. So going into this meeting, everyone is watching out for more details. Will they actually say when? And in the backdrop, we've got a couple of weeks of data, a bit of a patchy spate of um, data points, but mostly on track for uh, recovery when it comes to US economy. So that could justify tapering 
by November, which is when most market analysts are pointing to. Um, and this is something they will be watching. And also the other thing to watch out for is the dot plot graph. Mm. And this is when or where you might see a bit of shift in sentiment. So we've seen uh, many Fed members saying, hey, we are ready to taper. So maybe now we could see more people pointing to interest rate hikes earlier. The Most of the committee are pointing to around 2023, a few of them saying end of 2022. So what will be interesting to see here is how many of them shift towards an earlier timeline? I want to turn to COVID-19 now, 16 minutes past nine. The number of new cases in Singapore topped 1,000 on both Saturday and Sunday. That's the highest number since April 2000. Two major differences between then and now, though. First, more than 80% of the population is vaccinated. And second, the cases in April 2000 were largely confined to foreign worker dormitories. Now they're among the general public. So there are two pieces of news about Pfizer. Meanwhile, that caught my eye. The first, the CDC has released a study showing that the Pfizer vaccine efficacy wanes over time. And second, that U.S. regulators are now recommending Recommending Pfizer booster shots for people 65 years or older. Fill us in on the details. Yeah, so it's a bit of a mixed piece of news when it comes to booster shots. So mm. you have a well um, recommendation for those above 65 to get the booster shot. But for those below 65, um, there has been a vote against it by a panel. So this is 16 versus 2 for distributing the vaccines to Americans 16 and older. And that is around a study that shows how booster shots um, are not really suitable for the general public. And there's a study here that shows as well that two weeks after recipients get their second dose, um, this is when they are considered fully vaccinated. That sees the... um, effectiveness of the vaccine dropping from around 91% in terms of preventing hospitalization um, to 77% in the space of 120 days. So that is showing how vaccines uh, may not be as strong perhaps as what previously was thought. So that is putting a bit of cold water on the um, efficiency or efficacy of these vaccines. Now, from an investor standpoint, though, what is this likely to mean for Pfizer's business and its shares? Okay, so going at what we have um, in terms of the latest Wall Street numbers, um, drought makers on Friday were among the biggest laggards. Pfizer was down 1.3%, BioNTech was down 3.6%, Moderna was down 2.4%. So a bit of a knee-jerk reaction when it comes to the latest news, but it is quite a long journey when it comes to the vaccine um, vaccination drive. So it can still be a long-term um, catalyst, at least for the drug makers, we will just have to see for more studies because you never know how these things turn out. Mm, I want to bring the conversation back to Singapore. On Friday, the government announced a $1.5 billion fund to boost the local stock market. Investors took the news in stride on Friday. The Straits Times Index finished slightly higher, not much though. Of course, it's not necessarily the existing listing companies that will benefit from the government measures, but there could be increased market liquidity. Rather, it's those that haven't listed yet that stand the most to gain. So what are you hearing? What are investors and analysts saying about these new plans? Yeah, it's definitely getting quite a few corners of the market excited because for, well, the near future, we might see some 
new listings, at least new in the sense that they might come from the technology space, finally joining the SGX. So we did get a bit of a bounce on Friday, around 0.3% up for the SGX counter. And if you look at where we are in terms of um, some of the excitement building up, um, some of the names being thrown into the ring for potential listings include the likes of Telco Circles Live. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the spec listings uh, could also come through from Taikhao Capital, Tomasic Back Vertex Holdings, and Ravi Takran's Turmeric Capital. So many of these asset managers are talking about maybe putting a um, spec in the pipeline. And going by what we have, um, looking at some of the potential um, partners or potential um, entities exploring a listing also includes Just Co, the co-working space, and Golden Gate Ventures. And this is a VC firm with many companies under their portfolio, including Carousel. Mm-hmm. So that is really fueling quite a bit of excitement in the startup space as well as the retail training space. All right, markets abuzz with the possibility of new SPAC listings in Singapore. I had an analyst say, you know, he, he he's looking at Traveloka uh, being possibly the first SPAC here. There are blank check special purpose acquisition company SPACs, and some say that that first SPAC listing could take place within weeks. Others mm. say definitely by the end of the year. So uh, Ryan just gave us a sense there of the companies in the running. For the moment, Singapore is the only market in Asia to allow SPAC listings. That could change soon, though. The Hong Kong Exchange is proposing new rules they're a little tighter than those in Singapore, right, Ryan? That is interesting, mm. right? Because it is trying to compete, but it seems to be competing with tighter rules. Yep. So what is in focus here is the tighter regulations in terms of who can invest in a spec. And it seems like the proposal um, is going to suggest that only professional investors can invest in a spec and it will also require companies sponsoring a spec to have at least one firm licensed by the local securities regulator, which is the Securities and Futures Commission. So Mm -hmm. you do have a few tighter regulations, and it seems to be pitched at, um, the Hong Kong Exchange says, these safeguards were included to maintain Hong Kong's reputation for high-quality listings and stable secondary trading. So it really depends on how you read into this, right? Maybe it feels it needs to be positioned differently from Singapore. That's why it's taking a different approach here. Yeah, I mean, there are concerns about these illegal practices associated with these shell companies. All right, let's check in on markets now, 22 minutes into the local trading day. Now, last week, the Straits Times Index fell almost 1% to 3071. How's the STI starting off this week? All right, so it is going to be a quieter than usual week because Mm -hmm. you've got Japan, South Korea, China and Taiwan closed today for their various holidays. And so far this morning, you've got the STI lower by 0.06%, 3,069. So pretty much in trend with the markets that are open so far this morning. And a quick snapshot of the STI, mostly red, only three names in the green. And this includes Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust right at the top, up 0.7%. Capital Land Land Integrated Commercial Trust is up 0.5%. And if you look at some of the ones worth watching, Capital Land Investment Trust, or rather Capital Land Investment Manager, is making his debut today. Right now, it's at 296, but otherwise flat. And another name to watch for Mm -hmm. will be Roxy Pacific. Um, This is because it has received a bid 
to be bought over by TKL and family. Offer price at 48.5 cents a share. So that is a premium of nearly 20% over the last close at 40.5 cents. And right now it's at 47 cents. It's up 16% so far in the opening minutes. All right. Well, thanks very much, Ryan Huang, joining me there in Market View. Coming up, he was recently on a panel uh, that looked at investing trends that are being shared by millennials. They are being driven, I should say, by millennials. What are these trends? We're going to figure out in a while. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.